We know that one of Jesus' most parables was the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13, we read that parable. Read it with me. Matthew 13, beginning verse 3. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundred, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. The parables, as we all know, uh, were an amazing teaching device that Jesus used. They were very simple stories. They were clear, easy to understand, easy to remember, and then, of course, easy to apply. And that all made it a very effective way that Jesus taught through parables. We have the additional advantage that in some of the parables that Jesus taught, he actually explained what the, what he meant by the parable so there'd be no doubt about it. He did that with this parable of the sower. And in Matthew chapter 13, the context goes on to explain what that parable meant. Read this with me, Matthew 13 beginning at verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while. And when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Very often when we're studying this parable of the sower, we talk about the four types of soil. And we really believe that Jesus was intending that to be sort of a categorical listing of all the different kinds of hearts of men into which the seed of the Word of God is sown. Uh, some do not receive it at all. Some receive it, but they don't endure. Um, some have the seed choked out by the cares and riches of this world, but some bear fruit. Uh, obviously, we want to be of that last type of soil, uh, the type that bears fruit for the Lord. The reason why that's important to us, of course, is because eternity is in the balance. If we're not bearing fruit for the Lord, we will not have a home in heaven in eternity. Tonight in our lesson, I want us to talk about bearing fruit, and we're going to come back to this, but I want you to pay special attention to the idea of bearing fruit. Various ones will bear fruit. Uh, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Keep that in mind, and we're going to try to come back to that as we discuss the whole notion of bearing fruit. That's our lesson tonight. Stop here for a minute to thank you for being here. We appreciate our Sunday night crowd, and we're glad that you have an interest that brings you back on Sunday night to study more from the Word of God, to join together in songs and prayers. 
to think about the important spiritual things uh, that should rank highest in priority in our lives. We're so grateful that you're here. As Lee said earlier, we're thankful for any and all who may be visiting with us. So bearing fruit. First of all, let's just talk about the fact that bearing fruit is essential. If you're a child of God, if you intend to be pleasing Him, you must be bearing fruit. This is not an optional thing. This is a requirement of you. I want to take you back to the text that uh, Caleb read for us a minute ago from John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus made it very clear that bearing fruit is essential. John 15 verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Notice, if you're not bearing fruit, what do you do? You, you, he takes you away. If you, if you were a vine dresser, uh, and you were tending the vine, you would pay special attention to which of those vines was bearing fruit. If you have a vine, even if it's a substantial vine, Maybe it, maybe it's big. Maybe it, it runs for some distance, but it never bears any fruit. What do you do with that? Well, you cut that off and you throw it into the fire. Jesus was suggesting that picture of us, that we must be bearing fruit. And so we want to make the point, bear fruit or else. Uh, that is absolutely clear. You get cut off, you get thrown into the fire if you're, if you're a non-fruit bearing branch. Jesus came across that theme lots of times in his teaching. If I counted right, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course, many of them are parallel accounts, but in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read 44 references to the idea of bearing fruit. And so you get the idea that Jesus saw that as a very important concept. And I just want to stress to us all, we have to be bearing fruit. You don't have any choice in that matter. It's not optional. You can't, you can't say, well, I'm just a non fruit-bearing kind of Christian. No, you won't please the Lord in that category. You've got to be bearing fruit. Now, this bearing fruit is accomplished in lots of ways, not just converting lost souls. You know, sometimes I think uh, people make a direct correlation one-to-one. Bearing fruit means how many people have you converted to the Lord? You went out and found a lost sinner. You taught them. You convinced them of the truth. They were converted. And you maybe even helped baptize them. Uh, but, but this was, this was directly the result of efforts that you put forth to convert a lost one. Well, I'll tell you, that's certainly fruit bearing. And that's a very important kind of, of work. But I've known some people through the years who actually, I think, sort of had a, a guilt complex because they felt like they had never personally been involved in converting a lost sinner. Well, I think we all ought to have that goal, and we ought to be striving to accomplish that end. But that's not the only way we bear fruit. And if it happens to be the case that you you can't directly connect in your mind that you had a instrumental part in converting a lost sinner, that does not necessarily mean that you have not been bearing fruit for the Lord because there's lots of ways to bear fruit. As I was saying a minute ago, and we, we did this in a lesson a good long while ago, we talk about... All those references that Jesus made, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to bearing fruit. When you get to the book of Acts, there's not a single reference in the book of Acts to bearing fruit. Is that unusual? 
Jesus talked about it a lot, but when you get to Acts, when you read the Acts of the Apostles, there's no reference to bearing fruit. Is it unimportant? I think the answer is no. It's obviously very important, but what you have, you go from the concept to the practice. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was teaching the concept. You must bear fruit. In Acts, we see how it was actually being done. It's not called bearing fruit, but it is bearing fruit. They were, they were putting into practice what Jesus taught must be done. Certainly, there were lots of conversions. Convert, as we said, converting lost sinners is a, a very important form of bearing fruit. And in the book of Acts, we read about a lot of lost sinners that were converted. Thousands of lost sinners who were converted. But we read other things too. For instance, even in the early chapters of Acts, we read about how those first Christians were very benevolently minded. And when there were needy people who needed help, they stepped up to provide that help. And so benevolence to the needy was a way that they bore fruit in service to God. Certainly they were concerned for one another. There was there was a, a genuine concern, a mutual care. They were involved in edifying each other. That's bearing fruit. If you encourage a fellow Christian, if you help someone who is struggling to be stronger, all of those are ways to bear fruit. Uh, in the book of Acts, we read about some, in, some instances where there were issues and controversies among brethren, and they worked to resolve that. And so if you, if you have a hand in helping to resolve some issue that exists uh, among brethren, you're bearing fruit for the Lord. Certainly in the whole matter of living pure moral lives, keeping ourselves unspotted from the world, that's a form of fruit bearing for the Lord. And so uh, I just want to point out that although converting lost souls is very important, we wouldn't, under, we wouldn't understate that at all, it's very important. That's not the only way to bear fruit. And we, we don't want anybody to be walking around sort of with a guilt complex because they don't feel like they ever had that occasion to help teach a lost sinner. Well, keep looking for those occasions. They're very important. But that's not to say you haven't borne fruit in a host of other ways for the Lord. We must be bearing fruit. Now, in regards to bearing fruit, I want us to stress that we all have to give 100% effort in bearing fruit. I want you to go back to the text that we read a minute ago about the parable of the sower and when Jesus was explaining it. He said, He that receives seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, they brought forth fruit. They brought forth fruit in a, in, in a variety of, uh, in, in different quantity. But I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It does not say, he heareth the word, he understands, he bears fruit. Some tried hard. They tried a hundred percent. Others were trying sixty percent. Some were only trying thirty percent to bear fruit. It doesn't say that, right? It says they brought forth different quantities of fruit. But I, I don't. I, I do not want us to think that you can do any less than a hundred percent, putting forth a hundred percent effort uh, to bear fruit for the Lord. Everyone is expected to give one hundred percent effort. In Matthew chapter six, uh, Jesus taught about how committed we must be in doing the will of God. We've got to be a hundred percent committed. Uh, 
absolutely necessary. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Serving the Lord is more important than even the physical necessities of life. We remember this context sort of wraps up in verse 33 of Matthew 6 when he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so, uh, I believe that Jesus taught in such passages as this, we've got to give a 100% effort. And so when it comes to the business of bearing fruit for the Lord, know that this is what's required of you. You can't, you can't say, well, I'm just going to give 60% effort. No, you've got to give 100% effort. Uh, so I think this point has to be stressed. Let me give you one more passage along that idea. Matthew 22, beginning verse 35. In Matthew 22, verse 35, beginning, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus didn't, I want you to notice Jesus didn't hesitate at all with the answer to that question. Now, the guy was trying to trap him, uh, but Jesus was quick and unequivocal with the answer. Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus didn't have any hesitation. What's the most important command? Uh, what is the great commandment of the law? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, I would argue that Jesus there was teaching 100% effort, wouldn't you? And so in this fruit-bearing business, we're going to talk about the fact that people bring forth fruit in different quantity, but it's not because they put forth, at least it shouldn't be, because they put forth more or less effort. All must give 100% effort. But, as we said, some are going to produce more fruit than others. Uh, not for lack of effort, that's the point we were just making, but in reality... The, the, the parable of the sower says that some are going to produce more fruit than others. Some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. What would be the reason then? If we're all trying equally hard to bear fruit for the Lord, and we're supposed to be, what would cause the difference? Why would one Christian bear 100-fold, but another 60, another 30? What would cause that? Well, it could be ability, you know. We're, we're all trying equally hard, but some are more talented than others, have greater ability uh, in doing the kind of things that need to be done. And so maybe it's a question of ability. We know that we're not all of the same level of ability. Some are, are have more than others. It could be opportunity. It might be that your particular situation or the circumstance of your life that you're in it might be that certain aspects of your very uh, life condition put you in a greater opportunity to do good. There's just a lot of things that could factor into why some would bear more fruit than others. The Lord knows this. And, thankfully, we're not judged for the results. We're simply judged for the effort. And so, 
Some are going to produce more fruit than others. That's clearly what the parable says, right? It's not for lack of effort, because everybody ought to be putting forth the same amount of effort. But other factors, like ability and opportunity, circumstance, and situation, will cause some to produce more than others. But don't worry about that, because God's not judging us based upon outcomes, just He's judging us based upon effort. All right, now, let's go back to that parable that talked about the different levels of fruit bearing. Uh, and I want to suggest to you that there's, there's potential for both good and bad in each of those categories of people that the parable defines. For instance, think about the hundredfold Christian, the one who's really producing a lot of fruit for the Lord. There, there's some good things about that guy. There's some really good things about him or her. Uh, such a person can accomplish so much for the kingdom. There's just so much good that can be done by this hundredfold individual. Uh, obviously, I think this would describe someone who's very talented. And not only very talented, but who has applied his talents to doing the work of God. Uh, that's all really good. Likely, also, this very talented person has been able to put himself into very favorable situations where he's able to use his talents to do the work of God. Um, he can help. He can teach. He can encourage. He can challenge others. There's just a, a whole host of good things that can be done by the hundredfold fruit-bearing individual in the service of the Lord. But I want to suggest to you there's some dangers associated with this fella as well. You know, he's, he is very talented, and he's, he's getting some good results as he works for the Lord. Can you see what might be a downside? What might be a, a temptation or a danger for him? Maybe he begins to be prideful about what he's being able to accomplish. Maybe he begins to take personal credit for the good that is being done. Maybe he begins to develop sort of a, an air of superiority about himself. He's better than others. Look at me. Look what I'm getting done. Uh, I'm doing more. Others aren't doing nearly as much. Look at me. Uh, and then, of course, I think there would be the danger that this fellow then starts to dial it back. Uh, he stops trying as hard. Uh, even with less than a 100% effort, this hundredfold guy can produce as much fruit as the 60 or 30-fold guy without really even trying. And so he stops trying so hard, maybe. You see what I'm saying? This guy can really do a lot of good for the Lord, but there's some dangers associated with being in that circumstance. Be aware of that. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16, Matthew 20 verse 16, Jesus said, The last shall be first and the first last, for many be called, but few be chosen. Don't be exalting yourself here. If you're the hundredfold person, uh, don't become prideful. Don't begin to take personal credit for all this. Don't think you're better than others because of the results that you have been able to produce. One passage, it seems like we, we refer to it fairly often, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 
So here's the hundredfold fruit-bearing person, and he looks around and says, I'm, you know, I'm doing more than anybody else. I'm getting more results than anybody else. I'm better than everybody else. That's not the measure, right? It's not wise to compare yourself with others to determine how you're standing before God. And so, again, this person can do so much good in the kingdom, accomplish great things in service for the Lord, but be careful because that person is also susceptible to certain temptations because of his circumstance. Well, if that's true of the hundredfold person, the one who bears fruit a hundredfold, I think then we could also say the same thing about the person who bears fruit 60-fold. A lot of good for this individual. A lot of good things that such a person can do. Uh, if you'll allow me to say it this way, uh, I, I don't mean it in a bad way. I, I mean it just by way of definition. What about this sort of average Christian? This guy's an average Christian. He's just average, you know. In regards to talent, he's, he can he can do a lot of things, but he's not he's not as talented as the hundredfold guy. But he's got he's got a good measure of talent. He can he can get some things done. Uh, he's not flashy like the hundredfold individual is, uh, and perhaps he may not be noticed as much. But he's steady. He's dependable. He's a, he's a he's a guy you can really count on. He's a, a a very dependable, regular contributor to the work of the Lord. Just sort of an average guy who's out there getting the job done. The the kingdom of God depends on such people as that. Just so-called average Christians, although there's really not much average about him. He's he's doing a lot of good in the kingdom. There's good there's good that can be accomplished by such a person. Again, he may not be as talented as the one we just described, but he's he's there. He's working. He's steady, and he's getting the job done. But just like we were saying before, there's certain dangers, potential temptations that confront this 60-fold individual. Maybe this guy feels like no one notices him. He's not appreciated, you know. Maybe he doesn't get the pat on the back that the hundredfold individual gets. He doesn't get the words of commendation and praise. And so he, he begins to feel like no one really appreciates what he's trying to get done. And maybe because of that, then he's tempted, well, I'll just stop trying altogether. Uh, no one seems to notice what I'm doing, and and uh, I'm not I'm certainly not getting as much done as that other guy. And what's the use? I'll, I'll just quit trying altogether. I'm not important. What I contribute doesn't count. Those kinds of opinions might be with this average Christian, this 60-fold fruit-bearing individual. Well, all of that kind of thinking would be wrong. Do you agree? All of that sort of thinking would be wrong. In Matthew chapter 6, in a very famous uh, passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warned about doing our work to be seen of men. You remember in John, or excuse me, Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 4. Uh, well, if, if we back up, uh, to ver well, let's just start at verse 1, Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth 
that thine alms may be that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Jesus said it's it's not about others seeing what we do so that we can get credit from them. That's not why we're supposed to be serving anyway, right? And so this sixty-fold fruit-bearing individual, this so-called average Christian, he needs to be aware that he faces certain temptations be on guard about that. And then finally, what about the 30-fold individual? I want to stress to you again, we're all trying equally hard, right? We're supposed to be. We're all supposed to be given 100% effort in service to the Lord. But some are going to produce more than others. That's, that's clearly taught in the parable. So what about the 30-fold individual? Well, I tell you, there's still a lot of good that this guy can get done in service to the Lord. Uh, I mean, think of the change that's taken place in this man's life. He is, as described in Ephesians 2, verse 1, a man formerly dead in trespasses and sins. Just like every Christian, he was dead in trespasses and sins. His life has been reformed. He's changed. He's a new man in Christ. And he's able to do good things to the Lord's honor and glory. And so, even this fella, why, why, is he, why is he 30-fold, not 100-fold? Well, again, as we said earlier, it may be a, a, a question about his talent or ability. Maybe he just doesn't have as much as the other guy does. But he's still working. He's still working real hard. Maybe he just hasn't been in great circumstances, but he's still working. And he's trying to find those opportunities to do good for God. He can accomplish a lot. In fact, if, if these guys weren't in evidence, we'd probably be very impressed with how much that guy's getting done, right? And so don't, don't discount yourself by comparison. If you're the 30-fold fruit-bearing person, don't discount yourself by comparing yourself to the others. There's still so much good that you can do in the kingdom. But, just like we said for the other individuals, there's some dangers, there's some potential bad thinking and action that can take place for this 30-fold individual. Maybe he really seriously thinks, I, I just, I just, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing for me to do. Uh, these other guys are out there, they're, they're really getting the job done. It just doesn't seem to be anything for me to do. That's wrong thinking. There's always something to do. Don't begin to resent the hundredfold or the sixtyfold individual. Uh, maybe they are more gifted. Maybe they have better opportunities, but don't resent them for that. Rejoice in the fact that God is being glorified and that fruit is being born however and by whomever that fruit is being born. Be careful about pride. You know, we said the hundredfold guy could be prideful. This thirtyfold guy could be prideful too uh, and in his pride develop a bitterness or resentment against others. The truth of the matter is there are no small things when it comes to the service of God. In Matthew chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 10, at verse 42, Jesus said, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. There are no little acts of service. There are no insignificant or unimportant matters of bearing fruit. All are important to the Lord, and we need to know that. So, again... The parable of the talents, or excuse me, parable, parable of the sower teaches us some important things. It teaches that we can, that we very 
in, in reality, very likely will produce different amounts of fruit for the Lord, but, but all are important in His service. I want to conclude by going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 14, Paul says, now I want you to think of this that we're about to read in terms of this 160 and 30. Alright? Different, different fruit bearing quantities, but all are important. Think of that in terms of this well-remembered text. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the, I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. All are important. And in the service of God, all these fruit-bearing people are essential and very important. So, our lesson tonight about bearing fruit uh, would stress again that this is not an optional thing for you. If you're a Christian, you are required to bear fruit for the Lord. And so think about that. Make it a priority. Consider how you can become more fruitful in the service to the Lord. All very important. Thanks for listening. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we do, we urge you to think about your relationship with God. If you've not been bearing fruit in His service, then repent of that. And get busy. Come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. If we can assist you in that, let us know while we stand and sing this song.